We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, let's get into some mailbag questions, man. We got a lot here today. So I want to start with the super chat that we got, Tyler Evans. Tyler, appreciate the super chat, my friend. Out of the three running backs against North Carolina, Sean, and just to kind of put this out in the universe, this is not just have to be recruiting specific. If you want to throw recruiting questions in now, absolutely. We'll handle as many recruiting questions as you like, but if you want to do some team questions, Personal question, like we don't care. The mailbag is free for all, open to you all. So Tyler Evans says, out of the three running backs against North Carolina, which one impressed you the most? Sean, I'll let you start with this one. Which are the running backs, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, or Audrey Estime, in the North Carolina game, would you say impressed you the most? It's hard, man, because all three did so many great things, if we're being honest. Only because of what is needed moving forward, I'm going to say estimate. You you need that physical downhill presence. You need that. That means that offensive line is going, they're dominating, and that's going to bowl well going up against teams like Clemson and USC. And I said this, Notre Dame playing at this level and improving should roll into November with a really good chance to be the hunter instead of the hunted. Because those two games are going to mean something for Clemson and USC. And this is the crazy thing. If USC by chance loses to Utah, they're going to face them again in the Pac-12 championship the week after they play Notre Dame. Because if I'm not mistaken, do they play UCLA? I think they play UCLA before Notre Dame this yeah, year. Yeah, that's 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 their big rival game. Yep. Yeah. Yep. My point is Notre Dame might be a game they look at and say, we're looking forward to Utah. <laughs> I mean, you, it, man, this is going – this season can play out so many different ways, and I'm going to say Audrey Estimate because even going up against Clemson, you're going to need him to be at his best and physically impose his will and wear guys down and constantly get yards after contact and then go into the fourth quarter and kind of like just take control. So I would say, I would say Audrey estimate was more, more impressive to me. So I, I thought we were going to be different on this one, but we actually end up not being different in my opinion. Right. So like estimate was my pick too. 
And it's for the one, my favorite performance I actually would say is probably Logan Diggs because I because lo- I think he needed that type of game, right? Like he's been struggling with injury, yeah. Yeah. getting into the kind of the, the rotation and getting a consistent role. And I mean, having 10 carries for 50 something yards and having the catches he had for over 60 yards and a touchdown, like a couple of big plays in the passing game. I was happy to see what Logan Diggs did during this game, but I would also yeah. defer to estimate Sean because I'm you know, I'm a nerd with some of the smaller stuff, right? Like, SMA fumbles near the goal line. That's a negative, obviously, right? But he rushed for 134 yards. Like you said, you need that downhill presence. He wore down the defense in the second half. Yes. And my favorite clip that I posted about him, man, is he handled himself in pass protection, brother. Like, he handled it. He handled it. So, there was a lot of good stuff to take out of Logan Diggs. We've been excited about the potential of him. It's just, like, hey, let's get it rolling now, right? Yeah. And he's rolling. And if he's rolling, I defensively am going to be a little bit intimidated by him moving forward. And it's going to take a full effort. Like you're going to need your, excuse me, offensive line to get going again. You're going to need consistency from Logan's approach. I mean, sorry, from Audric's approach. But Audric Estime is a scary dude getting downhill. So, yeah, I think we both are on the same page there. Audric Estime for me as well. We had Rob Osgood. Hey, guys, in my opinion, the wide receivers will and should have the greatest impact. Just want to throw his two cents out there. Rob, I think hearing what we kind of said, we agree. I think that especially volume, right? Like you're going to see a lot of wide receivers, I think, play a lot of football. So I agree with you on that one. He also added in Sean. O-line will be interesting to see as well. JP and Lug will be gone. Jared Patterson and Lug will be gone. Who will step up into the guard spots? I know we have some studs coming in for the interior part of the line. Yes, Arab, also agree. Also agree. We want definitely want to touch on the guard opportunities for the 2023 class. It's really interesting. We had timeout time. Uh, remind them. Remind yes. them. You gave some great. I think you put up five guys that might be in the the hunt for one of those interior options yes. on Irish Breakdown. Your article you put up yesterday. So yeah. check that out. The five yeah. guys that they could go after to add to the class and the offensive yep. line class. Some, someone already asked a question about that article, Sean. It, it's a good plug, right? With Elijah Page out of the class, I did mark down a few guys that you should keep your eye out for. I did a little bit of just kind of film evaluation of each one of those players. So make sure to go check out that piece. And we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes. So Sean, timeout Thompson, is there any news or rumors about quarterback recruits for 2023? I, we have this question every time, but we need to answer because it's very important. Do you want to hit on this real quick, Sean? Like, quarterback rumors that we're at at this point? I mean, nothing's really changed. I know the staff is out on the – I talked to, well, one member of the staff talking about them being out on the recruiting trail early before they get back to practice, I believe, on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. I might have the wrong day and start preparation for BYU. But they're hitting the recruiting trail. Uh, I think there are three guys at the 23 quarterback position that they're looking at. Same names, you know, that you hear. Uh, Kenny Minchie, still interested in Kenny Minchie. Uh, Avery Johnson out of Kansas, who's good friends with Dylan Edwards. You know, watch that situation. He's a Kansas State commit, and uh, we'll see how that goes. The staff, he loves the school. Staff loves him. He's a Kansas kid. So, you know, can they flip him? Can the relationship with Dylan Edwards be, you know, something that's important or key? And that possibly happening, maybe. And um, there are some other guys that they're looking at. So yeah. I don't. I know someone asked about Jaden Rashada. I don't see him leaving the class down in Miami. 
personally. He's all he's also a kid that has the NIL attachment to his name too, yes. right? So that's and, not Yeah. And I know the message board was hot yesterday talking about what's going on out there, Boise State and uh Hank. Uh, Hank 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 the Bank Meyer. Hank the Bank <laughs> possibly being in the transfer portal. So you know uh, I'm ne- we'll I'm see. never I'm never calling Hank Bachmeyer Hank the Bank again, man. That was Hank, that was Hank Gathers. I don't know what I'm doing here calling him Hank the Bank, but yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see, man. Like the the point of the of your point there, though, Sean is is that right? Like 2023 recruiting, we'll see what happens. Reclassification yeah. for CJ Carr, one of the other couple guys you talked about. Either way, though, me and Brian have talked about this. They should probably be smart and try to investigate the transfer portal just for another option this offseason yeah. as well. Yeah. So is that a Hank Bachmeyer? I have no idea. Is it yeah. a other quarterback that's already in the transfer portal? I don't know. Is it someone that hasn't entered yet? Maybe. We'll see. Ask us after the season. Right now, there's just no clear understanding of what that next step will be at the quarterback position. But, again, appreciate the question as always. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, we just got another super chat as well. Another one from Tyler Evans. Tyler, thank you so much. With the head coaching vacancy at Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, which one are you taking? One are you staying away from? So what's out of those three, Sean, Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, which one would you take out of those three? You you already know my answer, so you can go and answer it for both of us. You already know. Look. Is it Georgia Tech? Lance Leopold. Stay oh, no, away. no, no. Oh, I, I thought I – thought, wait, wait, wait. Which one are you are taking? No, no, it's asking oh. us. So if we had the choice between these three vacancies – Okay. Which school will we select is the question. I have an easy answer for this one, actually. I don't know if I'll, you do. I'll stay away from uh-huh. – I'll stay away from Nebraska. Okay. I'll, I'm not going anywhere near the Nebraska job. Uh-huh. I would select – who? because I'm not – I don't – the Pac-12 is easy. in trouble. The Mine's Pac-12, easy. The Pac-12 easy. is in trouble. See, I'm thinking – and the ACC, even though it has, it's, it's, I would take Georgia Tech strictly from being in, in Georgia, from a recruiting standpoint. I would. See, 
I see. I would take Arizona State, and I would take it comfortably. That's because you're a party guy. guy. That's because you're a party. No, I'm guy. not. I'm not a party That's guy. You're man. A party guy. There's something about Arizona State when they're good. They're like a cool team, right? Like people find them cool. And I think that I could sell Arizona State if I get it going, and I answer some of the off the field stuff that was uh, kind of lingering after the Herman Edwards stuff. This right? It's such yeah. a re- it's such a rebuild because you it can't is. Trust, you can't trust those staffers. The staffers that leaked information well, to other teams. They're out of here, man. They're not Absolutely. coming back. <laughs> You're replacing a lot I get that. with Arizona State, which could be good because you're starting from the ground floor, building the foundation. Yeah. I just think Georgia Tech done the right way. Atlanta is the hub. That's an attractive city for, for, yeah, but for you're, kids but you're, to want to play gonna be, You're going to be it's recruiting ACC. against the Georgias, the, the Alabamas, the – Florida schools, like you're in the you're in the hub, yeah. Ooh, but like, there's more there. There's more talent, is what you're saying. Like you you're gonna get well, some guys to fall through the cracks. I get it. I you get might it. as well sit at the table and play. If you lose, I, you I, lose. But be in the fight. But I've I've also talked with this about Brian. I think that Arizona is also an improving state from a talent level perspective. Like if I put a fence around the state of Arizona. And I know I have to compete against Jeff Fish, who's actually recruiting pretty well at Arizona University of Arizona right now. Yeah. But I still think I would take Arizona State pretty easily because of what I talked about with Georgia Tech. You have to compete with some Southern schools down there for recruits. And honestly, like they are just in such a gutter right now, man. Like there's just not a ton of talent on that team. I'm telling you what, Nebraska would actually be my second one, though. I, I, I would go Arizona State, Nebraska. Then Georgia Tech for me because I just Georgia Tech just is so low, man. But I don't want I don't want to really have anything to do with Nebraska either. If I'm being honest, like it's just not Nebraska in the Big Ten. It's still weird to me. Like that's a Big Twelve school, man. Like they yeah. should still be a Big Twelve school. They're just they're just a weird brand in the wrong conference, in my opinion. And Nebraska has not been the red shirts for or the black shirts in a very long time now, sir. So I would say Arizona State would be my number one, and Georgia Tech would be the one I would not take. Out of the out of that, I understand. And Georgia Tech is is difficult, right? Because Georgia Tech yeah. really is a brainiac school. Most it people is. don't know that. It is you know, smaller yeah. population, you know, as far as uh, students. Uh, you you maybe you can call it the Notre Dame of the South, you know, as far as the, the way things are run and admissions is is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. So even though it's in the ACC, so it's it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig, but heck, being that close to—I mean, being in the state of Georgia and being that close to Florida, mm-hmm. I'll take my chance. I feel that, man. I feel that. I also think out of those three schools, though, I think Arizona State has the most talent right now that I can work with as well. Like, I think there's potential for a quicker turnaround out of those three schools as well. But if you can keep the guys there, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. We'll see what happens. Question from Cole Lewis. With Bryce Perkins recently visiting, does the signal a decision on CJ Carr possibly reclassifying? So I put out a story on Bryce Perkins. He was one of the three quarterbacks, 2024 kids that visited during the Cal game a couple weekends ago. Uh, Cole, uh, the answer is no. It doesn't actually have anything to do with – CJ Carr and his reclassification, like that's an independent process right now, right? Like, either way, CJ Carr, whether he winds up in 2023 and 2020 or stays in 2024, I don't think it has anything to do with Bryce Perkins. All due respect to Bryce, man, like really nice kid, had the chance to talk to him. 
He's an unranked kid that doesn't. I mean, I think he has like two offers right now, and it's a low right. level offers, right? Like, there's a couple yeah. other kids on that in that in that visit that are the same deal. Like, they're not right now. They're not Notre Dame level quarterbacks right this second. Could that so change? The evaluation sure. continues, yep. and you know, with the other two that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and the thing with Bryce was that he's athletic. Like he's you athletic. watch the film. He's athletic. I don't know about the competition. One, you know, he's kind of quirky. His, his arm delivery, the way he delivers the ball is kind of quirky. A little bit. But, you know, to get the visit, there's interest there. Like, okay. Yep. Let's keep see how tabs, this man. Let's keep, keep tabs. tabs. You know, maybe an offer will come down the road. And I wouldn't mind taking a second quarterback in 24. That's more yep. de- developmental. I wouldn't mind either if tw- if you strike out in 2023. I agree yeah. with you on that, right? Yeah. I'll say this. Like, again, not every player that visits Notre Dame is a guy that Notre Dame would take, right? I mean, first and foremost. Thank you. That, that's it's the difference between offer and a take. Yes. Like, yes. you can offer a kid and, doesn't make and, them a take. And none of those quarterbacks that were on campus, none of them have an offer either, right? Yeah. So, like, it's yeah. just Notre Dame has seen them. Is keeping tabs on them, seeing how they develop. But no, Bryce Perkins is not an indication that CJ Carr is going to be in 2023. They are very independent of one another. Want to answer this one for Michael Johnson real quick. He asked if Bryce Perkins has a highlight tape. Yeah, Michael, if you go follow him on Twitter, I think it's Bryce Perkins, capital B, capital P for his first and last name. Go follow him. He's got the huddle highlight in his bio. Or if you just Google Bryce Perkins 2024 huddle, that'll pop up as well. So, yes, he does have a highlight tape out there. I have seen it. Say, uh, he's got some tools, man. I like him, but yeah, just not a uh, not a player that's changing my path towards the twenty twenty three class right now. So that's all. Uh, next question. Oh, that was the same one. Here we'll go. This one, Sean. Twenty twenty three class should have an immediate impact, just like Tobias Merriweather should have had an impact. But we all know what where how that stands. Seems like a team whose receiver depth is not up to par would play him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sean, we talked about this a ton, right? So I think we all agree on the Irish Breakdown website, just in general, that Tobias Merriweather should be playing. So, yes, it's frustrating. I get it. Unfortunately, it just has not garnered the trust. I would, I would be curious if Tobias Merriweather did come in for the spring, if that would have been the difference, or if it's just hesitation to play a freshman. Like, I don't know which one it is. Let me, let me ask you a question. Yep. As much as we put Tommy under the microscope and this goes back to something that I saw the last full practice we were able to watch as the media. Chancey Stuckey was on him the entire practice, the entire practice. And I'm just wondering, is it really Chancey? Maybe it's Chancey making him earn it rather than just throwing him out there and awarding him because of, the lack of depth. I look. I'm just trying to. I get it, man. I'm just trying it. to say things. It's obvious. I tweeted out. Look, I have not seen Matt Salerno do one thing <laughs> that Tobias Merriweather is incapable of doing. Not one. Sean, so, it's really, it's really bizarre, man. I always feel like it's a lack of creativity a little bit. You know, it's like so. For, if if Tobias Merriweather doesn't know the whole playbook, let's say, right? There are ways 
that you can still get him on the field and maximize his strengths. But in order to do those things, you do have to be creative with the role a little bit, right? Like you have to be like, okay, just on this package, in this situation, we're getting mm-hmm. Tobias Merriweather on the field. Like you have to kind of let your mind go a little bit, right? With Matt Salerno for the staff right now, it's almost like he knows what he's doing on every single play, so that's who's playing, right? So it's it's frustrating, though, because we talked about it a ton. Tobias Merriweather should be playing. I'm not going to back down from that, you know? And yeah. uh, it, it's not going to potentially burn bridges of contact that we have with the coaching staff or anything, but it's it's I'm not going to just paint the picture that, like, hey, it's okay that he's not playing. Like, it's not okay that Tobias Merriweather's not playing. It's not. It's not. Wanted to answer this one real quick. Michael Johnson just put in, would you take Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech in the portal? So, Michael, we're working off of a speculative opportunity here that Jeff Sims, one, enters the portal, and two, he is a – I mean, he's a Georgia Tech kid, so I imagine his grades are a pretty good so- opportunity, a good good spot, but that it would mesh academically with Notre Dame. If you're asking me, would I take Jeff Sims? The answer is yes, I would take Jeff Sims, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yes, I would take Jeff Sims. I posted on Twitter maybe like a week ago, Sean. I posted this dime that Jeff Sims threw to the left sideline. Man, I'm like, someone go save Jeff Sims. And again, Jeff Sims is not in the portal. We don't know if he's going to leave Georgia Tech. But the answer is yes. If Jeff Sims was available, I would take Jeff Sims. If if he's available, he wants to come play at Notre Dame, him, Buckner, and the rest of the crew can dog it out and compete for the starting job, and we'll see what happens. Jeff Sims is a very – very talented quarterback. So you if he's available. So perfectly, it was almost like pulling back a slingshot and you couldn't wait to release that. Yes. Like, yes. Dude, I, I've been, a, I've, I've been a Jeff Sims supporter for a couple of years, man. The kid is dumb talented. He's just in a terrible, terrible situation. Terrible situation. Terrible situation. I mean, we thought, look, we thought Adrian Martinez was bad, bad. It is bad, bad. It <laughs> is. I mean, but I mean, he looks he looks better than where he was. Well, yeah. And I mean, he just upset Oklahoma, so good for Adrian Martinez. I, I, hey, man, no doubt about it. All I'll say is Jeff Sims makes chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Every single week for Georgia Tech, man, well, he's a talented I, I, football player. I said that to say you see how Jack Cone looked when he left Wisconsin and came to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Imagine what Jeff Sims would look like. Yep. Amen. I would love to see a quarterback battle between Tyler Buckner and Jeff Sims. I would love to see it. But again, this is speculation. He's not in the portal, blah, blah, blah. Quinn Kibler asks, Sims or Bachmeyer? Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Jeff Sims is the answer there. Jeff Sims is the answer there. <laughs> I'm sorry. All due respect to Hank Bachmeyer. My, my man ain't it. My man ain't it. Uh, next question here. <laughs> We're going to go to Archer's question, Sean. Recruiting question. Which class finishes ranked higher, 2023 or 2024? I'm coming to you, Sean, so you start thinking about this one. Which one ranked higher, 2023 or 2024? Then we'll answer the rest of this question. I mean, unless you're getting Dante Moore and Keon Keeley back, 24 for me. Mm -hmm. I think 24 has a chance to be stupid special. Like It does. It does. Stupid special. Especially if C- if CJ Carr stays in twenty twenty four, then like you have the quarterback baseline already built in. Like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good, man. Yeah. It's pretty. It's not a bad starting point. It's not a bad yeah. starting point. I mean, we'll we'll have to see how, what the rest of the class looks like. Obviously, this is a lot of speculation on this one, Sean. But I tend to agree with you. Tend to agree with you. 
Yeah, John A1 finally hopped in here. What's up, John? What's up? What's up? Next question. Actually, I'm sorry. I'll try the second part of the question here. He said, who are your personal top five ranked commits in the 2023 class? How many top 50 players do you expect in the 2024 class? Uh, Archer, I mean, the second one for the 2024 class, like, I, I have no idea. Like, we'll have to see how a, how a couple of these relationships keep building like, as things start coming kind of close. Look, ask me that after the season when we're getting into, like, the winter-ish area. Go I would say two. If I can just say early, I think Brandon Davis Swain is going to be top 50. Yeah. I think, I think he, he is. I think he is by 247 already. Right? I think he's number yeah. 38. So yeah, I think he's going to be top 50. And CJ, if he continues, yeah, two, I'll stick with two. Mm-hmm. This is the baseline. And then from there, we'll see. If you get a Ryan Wingo in the class, and that's the keys, man. That's yeah. the keys. Yeah. My I mean, top five. Now this. So, so top five. Let's phrase this a little differently because I don't want it to make make it sound like we're ranking players right. based on like like a certain way. So our, our favorites, top five favorite players in total. Okay, okay. Because yeah. I'm gonna uh, go off of the film because I'm a film guy, yeah. right? So top yeah. five film I like the most. All right, so number top five for you, Sean. Doesn't have to be in order either. Doesn't have to be in order. Uh, Bowen, Great House, <laughs> yep. Love. Wait, so the first Bowen was Drake? I'm just getting it. I'm just getting this right. Or was that Pete? You can throw both Bowens on it. <laughs> okay. All right. The Bowens. Uh-huh. Um, Great House. Um, who else did I say? I'm going to throw my boy Christian Christian Gray on there. Love it. And I'm going to throw my boy Jagsaw on there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are my five. All right. So my five would be... Jane Greathouse is yeah yeah I've I've talked about Jane Greathouse enough. If Notre Dame lands Jeremiah Love, Jeremiah Love would be in my top five. So yeah. those two would be in my top five. I love a Don Schuler man. I love his film. So I'm going to Don Schuler again. Dr- Peyton Bowen is the more talented player at the safety position, but there's just something about a Don Schuler just told me he's just going to be a dude at Notre Dame. So we'll see, right? So those three. I probably go Jay Nosberry. I'll give Brian's guy a little love, man. Ooh. He's a he's a dude. He's a yeah. dude. Number five. I might go Joe Odding. I like Joe Odding, man. Ooh. I like him. I like him, man. I do. He's a developmental player, but like there's something about Joe Odding I like. There's something okay. about John. All right. So <laughs> we had this one from Toe Jam that said uh, Jeff Sims or Chad Powers at quarterback. Still taking Jeff Sims. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Eli, Eli fan slash Chad Powers either. So. Ch- Chad Powers ran a 5-4-9-40 too. So, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. I'm good on that one. Love the question, though. Love the question. Wanted oh, to pull this one up. One with uh, yeah. Jimmer Fredette out at BYU? No. It came no. out this week. It's funny. You have to watch it. Oh, uh, Jimmer. Oh, man, I love Jimmer. I love Jimmer in college. And then he came to the NBA, and he's not not that guy. But yeah, I, li- yeah. I liked him a lot coming out. Wanted to send this one out real quick, Sean. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But well, Darius Martin is a part of the community here at Irish Breakdown, so I wanted to throw this one out here real quick. He's just asking for people out there, can you send a prayer for my dad? He is devastated right now about my mom. He's depressed right now. So, again, anybody out there that is – a religious or spiritual person that believes in, in the power of prayer, please send Lodarius a prayer. We really appreciate it so much. If you're just, if you're, if that's not your thing and there's a lot of people out there that are not, and it's totally fine. If you can just send him a good thought, we really appreciate it. Darius, 
Hope everything's going okay, man. Hope that we continue to to pull through here, brother. Hope, hope everything's going okay in your world. I know it's tough times right now, but please send a prayer or send a good thought. We really much appreciate that. All right, so we had a super chat from Michael Crawley. Michael said, love the show, but never catch it live. Do you all prefer utilizing the transfer portal to boost our quarterback room next year or pushing CJ to reclassify? We talked about this one a little bit already, Sean, but like I'll say it again. And Michael, thank you again for the super chat. I am look, if if I don't have a real like I would rather CJ Carr stay in 2024 than reclassify to 2023, but it's his personal decision. So regardless, if you get a 2023 quarterback, you still, I think, need to hit the portal, Michael, in my opinion, right? Like you need mm-hmm. depth at that position because there's no guarantee that Drew Pine is there after this season. So you need to make sure that there is competition is the biggest thing, right? So I am in favor of 2023 quarterback, whether that is CJ Carr or not, and a transfer quarterback. Sean, are you on a similar wavelength there or do you have a different I opinion? I am. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. All right, let's work through a few of these. Oh, this is Archers that we already pulled up. Thank you again for that. Not any problems, but BK1, Ryan, how do you compare Lions and Hannafin? Oh, we already did that one. Cool. That one, yep. We're moving, moving along here. Then timeout time. Not recruiting. Tosh Baker is blocked at tackle. Does he have a future as a starter? If so, where? Tom, I, I've not given up on Tosh Baker. The, the thing is, though, that technically he could have more eligibility after both the tackles leave if he wanted to. But, I mean, Sean, honestly, man, Tosh looked pretty good last game when he came in at the end. It was just run blocking, so like we didn't see him make do a pass set or anything like that. But again, I would be open to if next year, if Tosh Baker's one of your five best offensive linemen, moving Blake Fisher inside the guard, like I would be still okay with that, man. Yeah. I would. I'm not saying the staff would, but I still do think that Tosh Baker has upside as a starter. If that's not at Notre Dame, then I'm sure he'll be a hot commodity on in the transfer, the transfer aspects yep. as a grad transfer eventually. But yes, I do. Li- I do like Tosh though, so I want to bring that one up. We had nine. I probably became one. Said, "How does Cooper project as a Viper?" Sorry if I'm not connecting the dots on this conversation. Oh, so um, nine. I promise if you if you've heard me and Sean talk about Cooper Flanagan over the last couple weeks, it's just. There's a a little bit of a log jam at tight end right now moving forward over the next couple years. And Cooper Flanagan actually has some really good film at at defensive end. Notre Dame's recruiting him as a tight end. So, like, this isn't us saying, like, it's on the table that he could play defensive end. We're just saying that, like, 6'5", 245 pounds, 250 pound Cooper Flanagan. I think that there could be a reality where they say, like, hey, Cooper, might want to come play defensive end at least early on in your career, and we can potentially get you some playing time or at least compete for playing time. So I think that he has length. He's not like the bendiest dude of all time, but he's pretty explosive, and he's got violence to his game, right, Sean? So like that's one of the things that I like about Cooper Flanagan. But again, it's just speculation on me and Sean's part to say, like, hey, he could play defensive end in our opinions. Yeah, so. That's pretty much it. Yep. All right, Robert Bishop, I'm going to go to you on this one, Sean, because I know we're going to start talking about BYU next week. But anybody concerned with BYU could potentially be a great game, depending on which version of each team shows up, I guess. Sean, I know you talked about – we talked about the point spread being at 9.5 to open. I mean, BYU is a dangerous team, in my opinion. I think they are. Well, they're a dangerous team because they have a really good quarterback, right? I mean, Drake – North Carolina was dangerous because they had a really good quarterback. Unfortunately, they have an awful defense. 
Yes. And BYU's defense is it's definitely not better as bad. than North Carolina. <laughs> it's not North Carolina, but they can be pushed around, which feeds right into Notre Dame continuing to get better at being physical and running the ball and getting play action opportunities to Michael Mayer and the rest of the receivers. And if they don't make mistakes, they're the better team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that. If they play good football, Notre Dame's a better team than BYU. Agreed. Agreed. There's there's no reason Notre Dame should not be able to beat BYU. I agree completely. But, Robert, yes. Am I worried about them? Sure, man. They're a good team. They're well coached. They have a good quarterback, like Sean said. Notre Dame is the more talented team, though, ultimately. So they should win, but they're also the better team against Marshall. So never never know. Next question. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry. <sighs> Chris Irish Young just put out this cool hypothetical. Imagine a Verts play with Dylan Edwards, Braylon James, Jane Greathouse, and Eli Raritan, then mix it up with Price or Love against the linebacker if the D is playing, man. Oh, Sean, I just got visions, <laughs> thanks to Chris, of a Jadarian Price or a or Jeremiah Love potentially running an angle route against a linebacker because they're man-to-man and just running vertically with all these cats, man. Exciting stuff. Exciting. Yeah. All of that just to only dump it down to Love and let him go 70. <laughs> hey, man. We saw it last year in the bowl game with Chris Tyree, man. That's all right. Take it, buddy. Take it. Yeah. Love love it, though, Chris. It's a, it's a great hypothetical, man. I, I, I dig it. All right, we had Larry that says, what is going on with Jeremiah Love? Well, Larry, you would know if you joined boards.irishbreakdown.com. I also put it – I mean, I put Intel on there about a week and a half ago. Yeah. So visited Notre Dame for the Cal game um, – for the Marshall game, excuse me. The next weekend he went to Texas A&M. Most recent conversation is still that they would like to have a decision made by the end of this month. So that's where things stand. It's a two-man bat- – it's a two-horse battle, in my opinion, between Texas A&M and Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's still the leader, but we will know very soon. Christian Gray agrees with you. Christian Gray has been all over that one, man. We need to hire him to the uh, to the Irish Breakdown staff, man. He's been all over that recruitment. Timeout Thomas again says, uh, Absher plays in a triple option offense. This is when we were talking about Charles Jackson and Sullivan Absher potentially having some maybe playing time, early playing time. Says he'll need time to develop his pass protection blocking. As a result, he'll probably redshirt. Tom, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, right? Like it's possible that Sullivan Absher is redshirted. My only point, though, is that his pass protection is definitely a a question mark right now. But it's more it's more of a question mark if he stays at tackle than if he moves inside the guard. Because at guard, you can short set a ton. You don't not necessarily have to work. For uh, 45 degree sets, you definitely don't have to work vertical sets more than likely, right? Like you're getting your hands on early in reps. So if Sullivan Asher can maul some dudes and he can short set a ton in pass protection, I think that he can get by early on in his career. But your point is very valid in the fact that especially if Notre because Notre Dame likes him a tackle and they want to test him a tackle and keep him there, you're right. He's a redshirt candidate because he does need to work on pass protection because it's just something he's not asked to do. So I agree with you. All right, Sean, going to go to you on this one. We talked about this one a little bit, but I'll throw it back to you real quick. Scott Yerbeck said, who is the one recruit you are most excited about in the 2023 class, one you're most excited about? Most excited? Tough, right, man? It's tough. No. (laughs) He's not in the class. Uh Uh-oh. The person I would be most excited about is the 23 guy they can flip at quarterback. 
<laughs> that's, that's, but if we're just talking about guys that are committed right now, seriously, I, I would, I would throw. I'm, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Rico Flores has really caught my attention this year. I love that. Love that. Yes, yes, he, he really has. You know, hey, I love it's it, man. Easy, it's easy to like Great House and Bowen, and and then right behind that would probably be a Don Shula. Like just the way they're playing this year, yep, it's it's pretty impressive. Adon, Adon is a dude, man. Like he's yeah. just a dude. He's yeah. a dude. He's like again, is his upside is as immense as a Peyton Bow? No, it's not. But he is just a guy that I think is just going to be a really good football player. To your point, and Sean, like Rico Flores, I love the mention, man. I wrote an article like two or three weeks ago where I just said like, hey, what we thought Rico Flores was, which was a good football player. He may be much better than we even anticipated. Like he yeah. is looking different this season. Last season, and last season he was really good. So if he's really good last season, he looks way better this season. It's headed in the right direction. Yeah. We had this one from Toe Jan that said, "Ryan Shaw, what are the odds DJ Uyunglele hits the transfer portal this offseason? Is he a take? <laughs> uh, he's not entered the transfer portal. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's got like. I mean, he is really. I have to tip my cap to him, Ryan. Because I was taking the over under like week four or five. And he has, yo, he's played well. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's played well. Uh, he played really well against Wake Forest on the road. And he's going to hold off Cade Plutnik. If, yep. Unless he just goes into like a two, three week slump, mm-hmm. he might actually make it through the season. He might, hey, man. I- I will tip my hat also. He has more touchdown passes right now through three weeks than he had all of 2021. So shout out to DJ, man. A lot of scrutiny around him. He's just coming off one of his best games of his career, though, against Wake Forest. Again, Wake Forest defense isn't good, so, like, there's an asterisk there. But the point of the matter is is that DJ is playing much better than last year. So all I have to say is Tony Elliott was the problem, not DJ Uyunglele. But anyway, DJ's not that great, though, either. But, yeah, that's another conversation for another day. All right, so Matt Lass says, thank you for the super chat, Matt. If you knew you could get them but could only pick one tandem to land for 2023 or 2024, which duo would you rather have, Keon Keeley and Cornell Tate or Elijah Rushing and Ryan Wingo? Wow. Huh. You know who I'm going with, Sean? I'm going with Elijah Rushing and Ryan Wingo because the, the previous two could have been at Notre Dame. They didn't want to be. So, yeah. all due respect. I, I, I second that. Yeah. The only thing that would make me pick the first uh, tandem is the Chicago connection. That's it. The only Well, the, the thing that would make me pick the first tandem in this situation is Keon Keeley because he is a dude, mm-hmm. no doubt. Elijah Rushing is pretty dang good himself, though. He's not – like Keon Keeley right now, obviously, right? Like Keon Keeley, been very adamant. Keon Keeley's the best player in the 2023 class, in my opinion, right? Yeah. But so he's got a slight, he's got an edge over Elijah Rushing in this scenario. But I'll tell you this, Sean, I liked Cornell Tate, still like Cornell Tate, top 100 player, sure. Ryan Wingo is a dude, though. Like he's he's a step up from where Cornell Tate was as a junior, in my opinion. So I definitely know. agree with that. And I yeah. love my boy CT. Love he's my talented, boy. man. Carnell's yeah. very good. He's going to be a good college football player. I think Wingo has a chance to be special, though. Yeah. I think he does. So, All right. 
moving on. We were getting through these pretty quick. Jay Henry, could the freshman DB usage encourage players like Kayla Beasley to go to Notre Dame? Kayla Beasley, of course, 2024 out of Lipscomb Academy in Tennessee. Could seeing players like Benjamin Morrison and Jada Mickey Sean help the case for a Kayla Beasley to come to Notre Dame? Absolutely. And then it depends on the individual. Kayla Beasley could be the individual that says, look, I want to go play. I don't want to have to compete with Christian Gray, Michael Bell. Like I have four guys in front of me. I want to go to a spot where I can play right now. And if someone like guarantees him that spot, that or he could be a kid that just sees, man, I'm going to play early. I'm going to be developed by Mike Mickens. That's where I want to go. It's all beauties in the eye of the beholder, especially in recruiting. It's all yeah. about what he wants and his per- his perception of it. Yep. But it's a good thing to have in place. 100%. It is a great marketing tool to have. <laughs> like, hey, you can come here and you can play, man. If, you, if you're good enough to play, you will yeah. play. Wanted to show this one up for Ladarius Martin, who just said he thinks Caleb Beasley is the best recruit in the class. Ladarius, I'm cool with that opinion, man. And if anybody's heard me talk about Caleb Downs on this show, or I think I said Caleb Beasley by accident. Caleb, Caleb Downs. Man. Caleb Downs is a dude. Top two to three player in the class, in my opinion. Like, he is a stud. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, I'm good with that opinion. I'm good with that opinion. He's a great football player. No doubt about it. His brother's a dang good football player as well from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Kaiser Sose said, are there any 2023 quarterback that are showing interest at this time? We already went through with that, Kaiser. I, I just started this before, so I wanted to pop this up. Again, the names to keep an eye out. Reclassification for CJ Carr, Kenny Minchie committed to Pittsburgh currently, and Avery Johnson currently committed to Kansas State. Those are the names that have been thrown out, uh, that have been thrown out there from the staff. I have heard a couple other names that may surface at some point, but they're not ones that I am going to put out into the universe at this time. But that is what we're looking at right now. We are not Marshall. We want a 2024 to reclassify, and we have an unproven quarterback room right now. If we don't hit that portal hard, then the coaching staff needs to have their heads examined. I, I would call, I would slow down a little on the head examine part, right? Like, I'll just bring it back a little bit. We are not Marshall. But I agree in the fact that, like, hey, even if you get a 2023 quarterback, I think that you still need to hit the portal. I do. I do. I think you need competition. And unfortunately for Tyler Buckner, right, he's ha- he's dealt with some injuries that we've talked about, and this was the year to develop, and he lost this year, unfortunately, right? So I'm not giving up on Tyler Buckner. I want him to be a part of the quarterback competition, but I think that they also need to bring in a 2023 kid that's a good football player, and they also need to bring in a transfer portal guy to compete. Best quarterback plays. It's where, where it always has to end for me. Best player plays, I should say. All right, we're going to go now to Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. Ryan Sean. Do you know if any 2023 recruits are still talking to Keon or has he cut off communication? Josh, so he had cut off communication a little bit before he made the decommitment from the class. So to my knowledge, other than maybe a, a, a commit checking in with him from time to time, just being like, hey, man, hope you're doing well type of thing. I don't think there's been any communication. Like Notre Dame has left this one purely in Keon Keeley's court at this point, right? Most likely you're going to end up at Alabama or Ohio State at this time. And at least the way it's trending right now, things could change, obviously. But if Keon Keeley 
wants to come back or if Keon Keely ever ends up back with Notre Dame, let's say it's going to be because Keon Keely came back to Notre Dame, not because Notre Dame kept recruiting Keon Keely, right? Like they feel like they put it in a good spot. They did everything they need to do. Now it's on Keon Keely's responsibility to make a decision in, in that regard. Right. So that's, uh, that's where we are right now. I want to pull this one up because it's silly. Very silly. Uh, Zarem Ba'ar, is there any specific reason why ESPN has great house listed as a tight end? We've talked about that before. Um, that's my reaction. Like, I, I saw it and I showed it to Brian. Because it, it's been like that for months and months and months. Like, this didn't just happen. It's literally listed Jane Greathouse since the winter as a tight end. And it's, I, I think it's just like one of those things where like, oh, big body, he's going to play tight end. But like, that's dumb. If you watch him play, like he doesn't need to play tight end. That's kind of a, a ridiculous statement to make about his athleticism. So ESPN not being good at their jobs. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say that that's where that one ends for me. ESPN. Yep. I'm not going to say this comment out loud, but agree. Agree there. Also agree. Also agree. All right, moving on. Josh, thank you so much for the for the question there, and I appreciate the comment about ESPN so I could slander them real quick. Uh, how do you analyze – this is from Johnny from the Boots. How do you analyze an offensive line recruits from being a left tackle or right tackle? Johnny, this is a fascinating question. And honestly, my answer somewhat changes depending on – and I know this is a recruiting podcast, so you're asking me about a high school recruit moving up to the college level. But I was just going to say, like, it also changes from a college player making the jump to the NFL draft, right? But, like, the things that you're mostly looking for, left tackles are usually your better pass blockers, right? Usually your better pass blockers. Sorry about that light. I don't know what's going on in this in this room today. Left tackles are usually your better pass blockers. They're usually – more flexible as well. That has something to do with their ability in pass protection, redirecting in space, right? So the things that I look for at left tackle compared to right tackle, better foot quickness, better flexibility. Both of the positions need length. You need lengthy, lengthy players at that spot. So NFL draft circles, you're talking about guys that are 6'5 plus, you're talking about 34 inch arms. College football is a little different. You can have a, a smaller wingspan and get by. But the things that don't change is the fact that you want good foot quickness at left tackle. You want flexibility at left tackle. If they are more of a, I don't want to call it a passive approach, but if they're more like a, a positional blocker comparative to a dominant player at the point of attack, that's passable more at left tackle than it is at right tackle. Right, right tackle still needs to be good in pass protection, but you can have a guy that's slightly less athletic at right tackle compared to left tackle. So, like there's going to be a conversation about like, so Charles Jagasaw, for instance, right? Athletically, Charles Jagasaw can play left tackle, but I think that he's a right tackle or guard because he is just, his temperament says right tackle or playing inside. Like he is a dominant player going forward and not necessarily working in a 45 degree step or a vertical step. So it's really about the approach of the game, if I'm being completely honest, but more than anything, separating factors from a talent level perspective are I want flexibility and athleticism, mainly foot quickness at left tackle. Right tackle, I can have a little bit of more of a of a um, of a mauling presence. But regardless, you need athletic guys at both left and right tackle. Now, there's we have we have gone way past the time where you can just put a stiff at right tackle and have a dominant left tackle. Like you need both at this point. 
in the in the, how the game is played today. So great question though, Johnny. Appreciate it. David Lowe asks, I am late to the show, but we read the article about offensive tackle recruits as the best we are going to be is the best we're going to do a three star. David, I'm so sorry that you read that article, and that's what you had to take away, man. I highlighted four really talented offensive tackles in this recent article, okay? I pushed back also on the three-star thing because two out of three of those players, Spencer Fano and Kayla Lomu, are high four-star players, like top 50-ish type of players, at least top 100, depending on what you're talk- what service you're talking about. So they're four-star legit dudes. Yeah. The other two are in weird circumstances. Burgess is an Indiana kid. I think he's a slightly underrated player. He is a three-star by every every major platform. The kid from the Howland kid, though, from the Hunt School here in New Jersey, he played tight end last year. He's moving all, He just moved offensive tackle. That's why he's lowly rated right now. I put up four very talented football players. So the three-star stuff, I'm going to throw that one out the window, man. I like their film. I would be after those guys if I was Notre Dame, but that's just, just me. Just me. So, yeah. All right, Sean, only a couple more left here, sir. A couple more left. So we're going to go to this one. Actually, I'm just going to pop this one up, but it's again, we've already talked about this. Ryan, Sean, realistically, how does the 2023 quarterback shape up? Again, we said 2023 quarterback, you still need it, and then we're going to hit the portal. So just yeah. wanted to knock that one out real quick. Ryan Rush says, any concern with Great House keeping his commitment after what's going on with Merriweather? Do you have any concern there, Sean? I don't. But. Nope. Nope. None at all. Yep. I don't either. I don't either. So I think a lot of players in the 2023 class see themselves as the answer to the question, right? So that's all I'll say there. And I think they're, they're smart enough to understand what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yep, and we uh, we as a staff we uh, we overreact a lot to uh, to single games and single performances and a couple different things like that. So I agree. Michael Johnson said, "How much of an offense does Tobias Merriweather know since he came to school late, and can they have a special package for him?" Michael, they can. They apparently just don't right now, right? Like they just don't trust Tobias Merriweather. I. We can fight against it all we want. That's just a point blank period to it right now. But yeah, yeah. just want to touch on that real quick because we've talked a bunch about that. <laughs> Sean, this is an interesting one. I love your take on this one. Time out. Tom says, "Why does Notre Dame bother to recruit dual threat quarterbacks? Winbush, Dracovic, and now Tyler have all <clears throat> sorry all show Tommy Reese tries to turn that into po- pro pocket passers. Keep it simple and stay away from dual threat quarterbacks." I think that's kind of prejudice. Time out, Tom. I think you're showing prejudice against dual threats. Like you can get a dual threat quarterback if you know what you're doing as an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach doesn't make a difference. You go get heck, you can give me Lamar Jackson right now. Yep. At Notre Dame. Please. We're talking about winning national championships right now. It was Lamar Jackson's at Notre Dame. If Deshaun Watson came to Notre Dame, you're talking championships. So it has nothing to do with the crews. Either guys are really good, and some guys you just have to make sure that you build a team around them accordingly. Flat mm-hmm. out. Like, the way Malik was playing before he got injured, did we have a problem with that? 
Did you have a problem with the way he played at the end of 14 and, and going up to Virginia before he got hurt? Did not. So, I mean, what are we talking about? Brandon Wimbush won games. Despite, that's the same thing we say about Ian Book, right? He won mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Brandon Wimbush won games. He did? Even up to the point. Like, I've seen Brandon Wimbush single-handedly take over games. Oh, yeah. I never saw Ian Book single-handedly take over a game. Nah. I'm just saying. So I I saw him single-handedly beat Boston College, and I saw him single-handedly beat USC at home. Single-handedly. So that, I just, I think you're being unfair to dual-threat quarterbacks and what they can do, specifically on the college level. I mean, Caleb Williams is a dual-threat quarterback. Yep. He would have been nice at Notre Dame. It's, I I don't know. It seems like you have a problem with the fact that the quarterbacks that came to another Notre Dame seem to regress at some point. And, and the game, Sean, the game's also changing, right? Like it's, yeah. we've seen like even in NFL draft space, like you need a guy that can do both now. It's not, you can't just have a pocket passer anymore. So the thing that we're going to see with Tommy Reese is if, if, if that he can change with the prototype at quarterback or yeah. not. Like that's where the game's moving, man. The best coaches and the best evaluators, I'm putting, I'm coupling yeah. those two together, are people that understand that the game evolves and that you yeah. need to change with the game. That's, that's how, that's how it works, man. Like yeah. that's just how it works. So I, I agree with and you on that. Let one. me clarify. Yep. When I said prejudice, I said prejudice against dual threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure it's clear when I yeah. said prejudice. I'm talking about prejudicial against dual threat quarterbacks. Yeah. What he's saying against so that style, yeah, 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 that's not that's not fair at all. That yeah. that's not fair. At all. I don't think it has anything to do with the style. Maybe the person you have or the people you had don't know how to develop that style properly. Yep. Josh Allen is a dual threat quarterback, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's go to. Uh, we had a question here, Sean. I believe about Justin Scott, and of course, you are a main man on the Justin Scott front. So, Zarem Zaremba R. And if I'm pronouncing that wrong, please pop it in the chat because I hate pronouncing people's names wrong. Will Justin Scott be at the Clemson game? I know that's supposed to be a big recruiting weekend. That's why I'm asking. So we have the. We have the visits updates that are going to be uh, just all on uh, boards at IrishWeekdown.com if you want to cast updates. But, Sean, I don't know if you've talked to Justin, whether he's able to – if he's planning on attending for that game or not. Yeah, we had a conversation on Friday night when I watched him play against Mount Carmel, and that's the target. His yep. target is to kind of – Michigan, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. That's it. Those, are the three, those are the three game day experiences for now. And – think he's trying to wait some people try to like filter in throughout the season to get down like cam williams he's a commit though so he wants to get down just about every saturday he can yes you know justin scott you know he's trying to build around and find you know i think michigan's trying to get him uh up there for the penn state game if i'm not mistaken okay and Wisconsin, I'm not sure, but the Clemson game is a target for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think the one big defensive line recruit that we have 
that Notre Dame has come in that weekend that we know of so far in 2024 is TJ Lindsay mm-hmm. out of the state of Arkansas. He will definitely be in attendance. But again, thank you for the question there, sir. Moving forward here, we have time out time again. What? Oh, no. Oh, we just answered that one. My bad. We're going to go to Ladarius Martin. Can Oh, no. I already did that one too. Man, I am messing up right now. I'm messing up right now. Quinn Kibler says, Ryan, have you heard of any recruits excited? We are playing uh, playing at um, – oh, sorry. Um, at, uh, wait, at Allegiant out Allegiant, there. Yeah. Just- sorry, I thought I thought I had a different question that had the same question. I was trying to, okay. Yep, so playing at Allegiant, and they will have the chance to uh, for similar venues. Also, any uniform comments from recruits? you have anything on that, Sean? I haven't really really talked to any kids about it, if I'm being honest. No, the Shamrock series is they know. Like, they walk into the facility, you know, into the stadium and right there to the right. Oh, actually, forget it. Forget it. Keep going. I was about to say something that was going to make people upset. When recruits recruits visit Notre Dame, they walk into the stadium and right there to the right, they're held in a space that's the lounge that has all of the helmets from the Shamrock series. Like, they know the Shamrock series. They know what Notre Dame does. It's a part of the recruitment. They're very well aware. So I'm sure they all love whatever uniform and helmet they're going to display. I'm sure the recruits will love it. Yep. That's what 17, 16, 17, 18-year-olds do. They they love I, uniforms, man. I, I mean, I, I know they I know the couple of recruits I talked to after they put out the video, right? Like yeah. the the um yeah. the hangover video. Like I yeah. know they love that, but I haven't yeah. specifically asked about, you know the venue or right. the, the uniform thing. Like I just haven't, yeah. but yeah, it's a good question though, Quinn. It's a good question. Only a couple more here. Then we're going to get out of here. Oh, I already answered that one, Sean. That was a funny conversation before you got off, but uh, uh, when you had to get off for a second that uh, ESPN has great house listed as a tight end, which is pretty hysterical. It's pretty, pretty funny. Archer says, Ryan, as an NFL draft guy, who are your top 10 prospects on your big board right now? Archer, don't ask me that right now, man. I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't done final evals yet. Um, no, nah, I mean, honestly, though, like I'm going to have a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a big board update on my on my draft website, risingdraft.com. So if you want to go check that out up there, I mean, there's going to be some usual suspects on there. You know, the Will Andersons of the world, the Jalen Carters of the world. Yes. I was about to say, uh, five of them, I can pretty much guess. You know, four of, so? them, four of them play for uh, Ohio State and Alabama. <laughs> and, and then we'll throw in a, a couple, maybe a couple from Georgia. Yeah, I, I mean, his top 10 is pretty, yeah, pretty straightforward. I, I'll leave you the other four slots to fill. I'll say this, though, Archer, as we get closer to the end of the season, there might be a draft show added to the channel. I'll just leave it at that. No, no details on this yet, but you never know. Never know. is it going to be? Are you are you going to do a show during the draft? I, I don't know, man. Well, you I have your own stuff going on during the draft. I, so. Actually, I talked. I, I talked to um, I talked to Brian about it last year. We ended up not doing it. I mean, I'm okay with doing a draft show. I I don't even remember if I was on one last year. I was. I was on one, but I mean, I'd rather be on it on the channel if I'm being honest. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Last one from Ladarius Martin ending us with a question. He says, Ryan and Sean, you think Miami lands Samson Okanlola knowing Miami football tripping? <laughs> Miami football is a mess right now, man, after that after that loss to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Ladarius, that ship is sailed, man. Um, I'll say this. I talked to Samson quite a few times 
during like January to April, May-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Every time it was just kind of the same talk, you know, like, oh, yeah, I really like Notre Dame. I'm interested. And then he would never set up a visit. Like, it's just, it's, it just wasn't in the cards, man. It's just not a team that he's attracted to for whatever reason. So, yeah, Notre Dame is not going to make any moves with Samson Ogalola, unfortunately. So, just not for whatever reason, Sean. I mean, it made sense, right? Like, he is a high academic kid, mm-hmm. he's a Northeast kid, he's a really good offensive lineman. For whatever reason, man, he's just not—he's not interested in Notre Dame. So, no. and he hasn't been. So, no. he had the nerve to have Michigan State in his top five. Yeah, yeah. That's when I said, you know what? I can't even respect you. <laughs> can't even respect you. That's you, funny. You have the Spartans in your top five over Notre Dame. Uh, that's funny. Oh, well, I'm I'm dumb. I'm dumb though. Charlie Charlie Weiss last belt loop. Thank you so much. Ladarius, I completely misread your question. Do I think that Miami still lands in Oklahoma? Yes, I do. Right now I do. Yes. Because like th- there's a lot of cells there, right? Miami has a big brand. Miami also has a couple great offensive line coaches, right? They have Mario Cristobal, who's awesome, Alex Mirabel, who's awesome. And yeah, I think it's still an attractive place, even though they are on a little bit of a tailspin after losing the middle Tennessee state. So my apologies, Ladarius, I cannot read today, sir, but thank you so much for the question, Sean, that's going to do it for this mailbag section, my man. Again, appreciate everyone out there for all the great questions. If you could please, before you leave us today, I'll hopefully be back tomorrow with Brian. If not, maybe I'll bug Sean to come back on the show. We'll see what happens. But either way, I will be live tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Thank you all so much for joining the show today. Make sure to like, share, subscribe to this podcast. If you're on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are incredibly appreciated. Sign up for the message board, boards at irishbreakdown.com. Underneath this description of this of the video, we have built bar and coffee and all that good stuff you always hear Brian talk about. So, For Sean Davis, I'm Ryan Roberts. Thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast.